For most of humanity, there's been a system of government where a small minority rules over the people. From emperors to monarchs to oligarchs, the will of the people, the desire for self-determination has been repressed. A group of visionaries envisioned a nation ruled by its citizens, one where leaders were chosen by its people to be held accountable. Hence, the United States of America was born. That dream of democracy has been defiled. We find today, our nation is run by a minority not held accountable to its people. Instead, special interests and money are the driving forces of our government. At Candidates Platform, we look to restore that vision. Our goal is twofold, to educate voters on the issues of the candidates running for local and state office, and to give the citizen the opportunity to run for office by having a simple, intuitive, cost-effective place to manage their campaign. Let's work together to restore democracy to the people. Hello, hello. This is Diego signing on to the CP Show. Hope everyone is having a fantastic Saturday night. It has been a crazy week in the political world, and we have a lot to talk about. We have a great show for you guys tonight. It's another episode of CP Viewpoints. We're going to go over the infrastructure bills and funding programs. But first, as always, a big hello to my co-host, Kathleen. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. <laughs> the Suns are out there to, to what? Two out of seven? Two out so, of seven, hey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it's been a long time coming. I can remember back in the day when I was young. And they were like, you know. They were a possibility, and then it just never, you know, ever happened. So this is exciting for Phoenix. So, you know, the yeah, Suns are I mean, hopefully going to make it. They were saying once LeBron got out that it was going to be a random team, and <laughs> I guess it is. So that were, they were right about that. But, yeah, well, yeah. it's it's great for Phoenix. Yeah, I think they're. Um, I mean, they looked pretty good. They looked they they were both the first game more so, but they were looking pretty strong. So they could yeah. get a shutout, you know. And, be over in a week yeah but, could be. yeah i you know it's been a lot of a lot of sports this last couple last month and a half and then you know uh we had the canadians lose to tampa bay which i was personally a little sad about yeah um, kind of think of, of of the stanley cup and like the montreal you know or maybe toronto i mean it's kind of hard to imagine that florida beat out canada <laughs> yeah well, it's just, was... this doesn't sound right <laughs> well i think it's always fun talking to fans um I've, I've met a lot met a lot of people you know they got upset with you know football or basketball or whatever they switched over to hockey recently uh-huh. um and so a lot of them one don't know how to skate which i think is interesting to be a hockey fan um and then on top of that they they don't i was talking to this guy and he's a massive hockey fan now he's a fan of uh, the dallas stars and um just a huge fan of hockey and, and you know knows all the players knows their positions like way more than i do um but doesn't know any hockey history. Like, doesn't know who any, like, you know, obviously maybe he knows, like, Wayne Gretzky, you know? Right. But um, but that's kind of, like, the limit of uh, of his um, of his knowledge on hockey history. And so it was, I was talking about um, Bobby Orr, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't, didn't know who he was. And I was like, you know, it's, it's kind, kind of, of interesting. Talking, talking to people, especially, say, under 40, who don't even know i mean we were talking about huey long 
and um, you were surprised that I knew him. Of course I knew him, you know, but I knew of him. I didn't know him personally. But I think that's a problem. A lot, a lot of people just don't know the history of anything anymore. And, you know, hockey is such a – it's got so much history. I mean, look at – remember when the United States beat Russia in the Olympics in, like, yeah. what was it, 1980s? Uh, I think it was 80 or 84. I can't remember. One of those. Yeah, I think it was 80. 80, And that was, that was amazing because then, of course, that was during the Cold War, you know, and Iron Mm -hmm. Curtain. And when you bring those words up, people, you know, especially younger kids just don't have any clue. It's too bad. I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, there, there, there isn't really history in general, like even cultural history. I mean, I remember there was, uh, one of my favorite stories was, you know, I, I like movies and, I'm sitting at a table at dinner and um, this family next to me, it's like uh, two girls and their dad and their parents. The girls are maybe like 16, 17 and the, the parents are in their like 30s or 40s or whatever. And um, one of them says, you know, I just watched, uh, you know, because I recently Donkey Kong, like there's a Kong movie, Donkey Kong movie came out. Mm-hmm. And she says, yeah, I watched the, the new movie. And then uh, her older sister is like, oh, what do you think? And she's like, they're talking about it. She's like, yeah, I really liked it. I saw the original with Jack Black. Um, and that's the one that came out in 2000. <laughs> and then her, um, the dad started laughing. And was like, that's not the original one. He's like, the original one was the one that came out in the 70s. And then I started cracking up because, like, the original Donkey Kong was, like, a silent movie. And then there was, like, the Donkey Kong movie it came out in like the, I think the golden era. I think it was like the forty-one or something. So I was just like, no, everyone in that family was wrong about history. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's you know, hockey's got such a such a so much history. And then you had, of course, Argentina and Brazil. And yeah, I know we're a political you know show, but hey, you know, politics there's, is there's everything. a lot of politics in sports. You a know, lot of like, politics, especially yeah. and soccer isn't fun because it's the only sport that really has like international. You know, it's like, you know, we're a country because like you think about it, basketball, hockey. Well, I mean, you get a little bit in the Olympics, but outside of right. that, you know, everyone is, it's, you know, whatever. I, I don't like Boston, you know. Right. Um, but then, you know, you get like the Euro right now. I'm super excited for it because everyone outside of the British and the Americans want the Italians to win. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone, I don't know anyone I, who well, wants England to win. I know, but England hasn't won in like how long? 60, well, they've never won a Euro. And then I think it's 66 right. was when they won the last World Cup. Jeez, um, that's that's a long time. Yeah, well, they're notorious choked. They've, they've choked, like, six different World Cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they thought they were going to um, get it last in 2018, and then they lost to Croatia. But, uh, but that was a good game. That was a good that game. That was a good game, yeah. Um, of course, we're Croatian fans, but... Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm really... I'm hoping for Italy, Forza, Izuri. We're going to get them. I'm, you you want the English to win? No, you know, I'm, you I'm want going the Italians. For Italians. I'm going, going for the Italians. Italian. Yeah, I don't like the I don't want the British to win. Their fans are the worst. So <laughs> that's what everyone says. Their fans are the worst. Yeah. They're very aggressive, I gather, right? It's you know cocky and they have no reason to be. <laughs> They're like a major yeah. nation. They're like Italy, like Italy, Germany, Spain, France, England. Those are like the big European countries, and Germany, I think Italy. I think Spain all have four. I think France is three or four, and then England has one. So they're, you know. <laughs> and well, Argentina winning was big for Messi because he's going to probably retire, right? Um, yeah, I don't know if he, he might play next year. In the oh, he might. I'm not, I'm but I guess sh- he doesn't this have will be his any last World year Cup. Out. 
was understanding he's never had, you know, been no, he's never. I don't think he's ever won with Argentina. I think he, right. He's well, won a lot of big. club stuff. So yeah, no, it's been. Um, and then the Olympics are coming up. That'll be exciting. Um, yeah. Kind of the one thing you know in Japan, just the time that time you know difference. Difference. It's, most of the games are going to be like, you know, two in the morning for us or something like that. Right, right. Well, but, it should be interesting. Yeah, I, the U.S. has something to go with. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I know gymnastics. I think we have like a couple girls that are pretty good. Um, they're thing in soccer. What do you say? Do they have soccer at the work? I mean, in the Olympics. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they have soccer. I think, and, and I, I think mean, I wonder if the U.S. has any ball is coming back. I think. Oh really? It? I think so. Um, but I don't know. At this point, I'm a little burnt out. I'll probably just sort of, sort of watch some of it. But, right. Well, it's it's you know, and Argentina, Brazil. You know, when you think of the politics of of sports, it's it's very intense. You know, yeah. we, we I guess U.S. will never have the kind of fans unless you're been in a foreign country like during one of these big cups you, it's just amazing it's a movement well it's that's the thing i think with u.s sports is at there isn't really like you know i mean you get the rivalries you know yankees socks stuff like that some of the big ones but you know when it comes down to it like for a perfect example phoenix and minnesota you know they're they're, they're they want their team to win the other team to lose but Phoenix people don't have like a deep hatred for people from Minnesota. You know, you don't have that like, uh, right. you know, Minnesota's never. Invaded. Well, it's Milwaukee, Phoenix. isn't it? Or is it? No, sorry, Milwaukee, not Minnesota. Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Listen to you, you young yeah. kid that doesn't even know your state. I'm not a basketball fan. Uh, okay, obviously. I <laughs> do not really care. But I, I I want Phoenix to win, but I care less about basketball. <laughs> so, well, okay. Yeah. So then I guess we should go forward. Yep. Yeah, well, I guess we should start our political show. Yes, we should. Yeah. All right. Well, um, well, and everyone for coming in, uh, listening to our little that was our little sports uh, sports <laughs> segment. There we have on the first, and this is our first inaugural sports club. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we actually are. This is um, the CP Voice and Viewpoints, and so what we are about is we are from Canon's platform, and our whole thing is basically is that we want to create a marketplace for an online marketplace for people to run where basically they can have all the tools to quickly and easily run for office. Um, they can add, do outreach and everything you basically need to do campaigning. You still obviously, you know, do all the everything in real life, but this kind of gives you that online outlet. Um, it's easy, accessible, affordable. That's our whole goal. So that, that way you don't need massive war chests and massive campaigns and donors to, to run for offices. You can just basically on a kind of smaller, you know, smaller budget, with a skeleton crew, you can be just as influential as the bigger guys. And that's kind of our thing is just equalizing the playing field. Right. I always, when people ask me what candidate platform is about, I always ask them a simple question. I said, well, do you know who the candidates were who ran for school board? And they all look at me and they're like, oh, that's that's right. People run for school board. And I said, you know, and in, in some places you're talking about you know, $100 million, $150 million, like, say, in Peoria. I mean, if a small town of 16000 has a $28 million budget for schools, can you imagine what, like, Phoenix or, you know, um, certain different districts? So once I say that, they go, oh, yeah, you're right, I don't know. And I said, well, that's what we would prov- we would provide, a place where you would be able to find out with a click, 
just going to one site, everybody who's who's running at the at the least. Hopefully, we'll have every candidate who signed on, but at the least, you'll find out exactly who's running for your district, for your um, school board, um, and especially in like rural areas. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times people just are so you know they're out in the rural community and they don't come into town, and they don't know who the candidates are. It makes a big difference to be mm-hmm. able to somehow you know in one in one click connect to the information you need to be able to decide who you're going to vote for. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's um, uh, and, you know, it's amazing because every time I ask that question and I give them, you know, then I tell them what we do. They say, well, how come somebody hasn't done this before? <laughs> and I always say, well, I don't know, maybe because it's just so simple and they make it so complicated. I don't know. But um, we do own the rights to this idea. So nobody get any crazy ideas. <laughs> uh, but it's it's, you know, kind of just interesting how sometimes the simplest things get overlooked the simplest things how to connect people don't get pursued because it doesn't seem like i guess maybe you could make any money but as we've talked on our show before um you remember the magic number of how many elections take place every year right mm-hmm. i think it's, I was, about, it's about 498,000 every year 490,000 every cycle every cycle that's a lot of that's a lot of people running for a lot of you know different offices so and and it's all local i mean that's the thing is is you know you have your you have the senate and the house and then you have your you know your presidential election and your governors and that's you know that executive kind of uh federal level is all going to be you know is is about a combination of about 600 um 600 people uh the state legislatures you know that's another small percentage the i think it's 96 percent of all elections are, are local it's your county city um district it's all those elections and it's it's a lot more people than you think i mean the entire justice department that you see between you know your county uh county sheriffs your de- um your judges they're all elected people and they have you know huge amounts of power over you and what policies and what laws get, you know, kind of uh, enforced is we've gone over I and mean, we've gone over in depth school districts and we've gone over, you know, different counties with COVID restrictions, for example, or, or, um, you know, kind of a lot of the social programs, stuff like that, you know, between how, you know, police interact with protesters at, uh, you know, various social, uh, civil rights types uh, of protests. So there's really it's hugely important to know, to know who you're voting. And that's the other half we do. We have the Know Your Vote Initiative, which is all basically about we want people, we want everyone to vote. Like, you know, that's obviously a huge part of what we believe in. But it's not just voting just for the sake of voting. We think you need to know who you're voting for. You need to know about them, what their policies are, what they believe. And if you make a more educated vote, then we have a better system because then people are truly, their vote truly matters. If you're just right. voting because, you know, you've been told to and then you just fill in random boxes, then it's, you know, you might as well flip a coin to see if your life gets better or not because that's, you know, it's just, it's up to chance, it's up to fate. Yes, it is. And, you know, a lot of people, um, I always tell the story and I'm probably repeating myself, Cochise County, there was a gentleman who had the name of Paul Newman. And he ran for the Arizona Corporate Commission. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But everyone voted for him time and time again because they didn't know anything about him. It's one of those, you know, offices that 
are kind of under, hard to understand what they really do, but they make a big difference. And people I know kept on voting for him because they liked the name Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, but do you know what he's doing? Oh no, but you know, how bad can he be? I said, well, what are you basing that on? Well, he's got he's he's named Paul Newman. I was mm. like, oh my god. You know, yeah. but there's a lot that happens more often than not, unfortunately. And, more, and honestly, when it comes down to it, the the jobs that are um, kind of the the positions that have kind of the most sway in your life on a on a daily basis are the ones that really aren't super interesting and or you know notoriety don't have a lot of notoriety. Um, the you know corporate commission's a huge one. I mean, they they deal with basically how much your utility bill can be. Right. Whether you know what laws that they have to govern, how you can you know incorporate an LLC. I mean, it's it they're really they're they're in quite a few really important industries, um, and they kind of have free reign to to kind of go over that. I mean, I said again, you know, gray one sheriff. I mean, if you're uh, you know, it maybe applies if you're a little bit more south of the law, but mm-hmm. you know, you can have um, for example, I mean. In Arizona, we had uh, Sheriff Arpaio, who was quite no- notable, mm-hmm. um, and you know that definitely affected a lot of people's lives. However, you want to believe if it's good or bad, he you know impacted quite an, a large number of people, and that yes, was an elected position, you know. Yep, and I think people, you know, just felt to 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 realize how many offices impact their life. Whether you want to put up a, uh, you know, what do they call it, carport? You mm-hmm. know, a city can tell you no way. Yeah, I, I always find this an interesting story. I was home walking with my mother around, and I heard chickens. You know, we live in the middle of town, small town. And I said, chickens? I said, what are the chickens? She goes, well, it was outlawed. You couldn't have, you know, that kind of poultry or cows or things like that, goats, in, in the city limits. But the mayor, who had just been elected, he, well, he's he likes chickens, so he had changed the law to allow chickens. Anybody could have chickens in the town, which is great if you don't mind being woken up by roosters at like <laughs> crack of dawn. But that's how important it can be. I mean, you live next to them and you don't like hearing the roosters crowing. Well, that's why it's important to know who you know who's going to run for office. Obviously, this guy said, "Oh well, you know, I have been." doing things against the law, but, you know, not the mayor. Ah, I'll just change it. Yeah, and that's so, what a reading endorsement of why you should run. If you, exactly. you know, if you want something to be legal in your area, then, you know, the only way it's going to be legal is if is if you run for office and you win, and then you can have, you know, chickens or cows or whatever you want to have in your Goats backyard. Goats or whatever. I, I had talked to a young lady who said, well, you know, people my age, she had gotten a just graduated a degree in political science at ASU. She says, you know, we don't really think of like getting out the vote anymore. We do things that are causes, like maybe it's, um, you know, registering people. Oh, I wouldn't say registering vote, but you know, dealing with the illegal immigrants or dealing. We go and we volunteer and we help out the community. And I said, yeah, that's great, but the only way you're going to change anything is by electing people who, you know agree with your viewpoint or you agree with theirs mm-hmm. and she says yeah i know it's kind of been a disconnect between the voting process and then getting involved in political issues but they don't vote or they don't push the vote or they don't get out the vote or they don't you know spread the communication out about who's running so it's interesting no matter what 
no matter what you think or what you, your approach is, you still have to vote. It's the only way you're going to change things. That's the bottom line. There's no other way. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is, is that at the end of the day, you know, you can have, and, and, and I do think that's a big thing is, is that there's this whole, you know, mutual aid, there's all this, you know, act, you know, be, be an activist, organized, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff is fine and dandy. But kind of what you said, I mean, it doesn't matter because, you know, just as an example, if you're, you know, a, a, a socialist and you want, you know, to kind of enact a so- socialist policy, you know, defund the police or whatever, you know, if you have a, if you can act, you know, organize as much as you want, but if you have five Republicans on your city council, the police isn't, the police aren't, you should defund it, you know? Right. Um, you know, or, uh, you know, if you're someone who doesn't, you know, if, if you have four, you know, liberals on your council, and a liberal mayor, you know, you're going to have sanctuary cities, no matter how many, you know, petitions you get signed and how That's many. That's right. You know. So it's kind of one of those things that I think it's, there's just this, and I think it's it's a bit on purpose. I think there is a huge group of people who really don't want people to run for office. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big reason why some of this hasn't been done before. Um, you know, obviously before the internet, it was kind of impossible. But I think the big thing is is that, you know, it's not going to be beneficial to people because a lot of times, you know, especially at local elections, a lot of people run unopposed because yes. it's hard to run. For office, you know. Yes, and, and so they can. Yeah, ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it, yeah. It, it's important, and 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 I think until people really understand, or especially maybe the younger generations understand, you got to hold an office and you got to run for it, and being involved in whatever movement it is that you may feel is making a change, it 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 doesn't until you enact law and you you have to vote people in to do that, and I mean I think that's. Uh, it's interesting because I think Black Lives Matters understands it because they've gotten involved and been involved with politicians, whether, I mean, I don't like their methods sometimes, but they are pushing their agenda through electing candidates who are beholden to them or who agree with them and, you know, changing policy. So yeah. no matter if you, no matter what you put on Facebook, no matter what you Twitter out, if you want to keep things the way they are to change them, the only way you're going to do that is by electing people who you feel will vote the way you feel the country should go. So, you know, I've just seen such a disconnect, and I still don't under don't get it because the bottom line is, it's a candidate. You have to elect people to do the change you want. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting, and and I guess that's like a good segue into. Um, Talking about this new infrastructure bill. Yeah. That's been there, you know. Um, I've always, having worked on the Hill, I, I I see it more so now than when I was there in the 80s and the 90s and say 2000, whatever that they call that uh, decade, <clears throat> where instead of having like infrastructure solely be about infrastructure, they add things that have nothing to do with it onto it, like saying, just helping the elderly and what is it, young or something? They have a lot of, you know, proposals in this infrastructure bill that deals with that. I don't, you know, for one thing, I don't think the public even knows that. And what does that mean? What is in there that's going to help the elderly? You know, because they really do need help. They're a very forgotten segment of our of our country. 
when you can't afford, you know, the medication you need and, you know, you're basically, if you don't, things haven't worked out right, you don't have a nice pension or you haven't been able to save, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the big thing is, is that I think the issue is that we have, you know, especially when it comes now, if we're talking true infrastructure, because that's the whole thing is, is this infrastructure bill has become so omnibus and so bloated with tons. I, I think that they really need to focus on doing infrastructure and then, you know, you can do the other things as well. Um, but I mean, you know, as far as the country is going, I mean, a lot of bridges aren't really up to code. They're not really structurally sound. A lot of, you know, many of these bridges are, are, are you know, almost a hundred years old. You know, think about it. When was the last bridge that was built? Yeah. You know, like, like a true proper bridge, you know? Um, and, and so a lot of these, you know, depression era bridges, you know, they've been patched up and stuff, but they, a lot of them need extensive, you know, overhauls and structural support. Same thing with roads. I mean, you go pretty much anywhere. The roads are not good. You know, um, I, I, I remember driving from Kansas city to Phoenix. I could not believe how my car got dinged with all the loose gravel. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's major highways, but there's so many loose, you know, the roads are coming apart, so they just kind of, you get hit by them, by other cars when you're driving. I, I was really shocked at how bad the roads were. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. And I think I read somewhere that American um, Civil Engineers Association or something gave our infrastructure a D minus mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the safety and, and the, you know, the effectiveness, I guess, of or efficiency of our roads. Yeah. Well, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's it's insane and so we do need a um a kind of big emphasis on on you know fixing up our infrastructure. And I think that that's the thing is that I think everyone can kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. But we spend, you know, we need to spend that money and we need to but the thing is is we have to build things, fix things up. And this infrastructure bill has tons of things that have nothing really to do with building infrastructure. I mean, um, right. you know, it's there is a small amount, and I think I have it written down here of what it is. But yeah, so you know, there's the total of it is is 580 billion dollars of it, um, and so of a, of a trillion dollar budget, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so I mean, there's going to be huge amounts of money going to like you know elderly stuff like that which is solid but it doesn't have anything to do really with infrastructure per se right. you know and, do, and a, do, do you, a bill for elderly people and the thing is, is that they don't even even looking around to figure out what that was i couldn't mm-hmm. find anything i think the really that it's four percent of the spending is going to go to highways and bridges which is what they consider what hard structure right mm-hmm. which is the you know the actual road and the actual bridge versus stuff like um green green funds like subsidies for you know the electric mm-hmm. vehicles and stuff like that right. that's really not infrastructure right exactly and i mean i think the interesting thing i will say there, there's a couple interesting things I, I do think that are in there i mean um have you heard kind of about the whole broadband um kind of a little bit so it's in so there is definitely a gap between people who have high-speed internet and people who do not. 
Right. Um, and so, you know, you do have people that have, you know, not even a megabyte a second, you know, and, and in today's world, I mean, ha I mean, even for us, what we're trying to do, it does require a decently fast internet connection because, you know, you're going to be doing stuff like streaming and, and, you know, connecting and chatting stuff. And that, that is stuff that you need internet connection for. Um, and so there is kind of a thing of, you know, how about a hundred years ago, there was that big push to give everyone to electricity. Mm -hmm. And so now they're trying to get rural areas to be connected to the internet. I, I do think that's, you know. it's necessary. That's going to be a big feat. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, having lived in rural Arizona for a long time, there are people that are, you know, really need it, but they're not very, they're not a lot. They're small groups. Mm -hmm. But how do you leave them out of it? You know, because they really are isolated. So I, I do think that that's a huge thing, but I don't think that that's part of the in infrastructure. It is in a, in a way, but I mean... Maybe things are changing where infrastructure now means internet. I, 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 I gather I do, maybe that's Personally, true. I think it does. You know, I, I think it is, you know, as much as you need a, you know, for work, as much as you need a road and, you know, you need a, the bridge to cross, you know, to cross over the, the river, you need the internet to cross other hurdles, you know, to, you need the internet to apply for a job. You know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't go in anymore and ask, do you have any openings? They'll just tell you, go online. That's so, true. you know, I, I true. internet's something I think is something that is, I would say, infrastructure. Um, but I did want to take a quick break. And I think we're going to go ahead and go for a quick little halftime break. Uh, we're going to be coming back with some more talks, kind of going over some of the um, some of the things in the bill. And then I believe um, you can also call and I believe you have the number, Kathleen. Yes, the number is 888-627-6008. Or you can call direct at 323-744-4831. Again, the number is 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And please call in and yeah. let us know what you think of this infrastructure bill. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from some people because, I mean, you know, if you've got any personal opinions or kind of you have any questions about it, I mean, I kind of, we've done a little good bit of research this week, so we kind of... Uh, yes. Right into it. So anyway, give us a call back and we will be right back in a couple minutes. For most of humanity, there's been a system of government where a small minority rules over the people. From emperors to monarchs to oligarchs, the will of the people the desire for self-determination has been repressed. A group of visionaries envisioned a nation ruled by its citizens, one where leaders were chosen by its people to be held accountable. Hence, the United States of America was born. That dream of democracy has been defiled. We find today our nation is run by a minority not held accountable to its people. Instead, Special interests and money are the driving forces of our government. At Candidates Platform, we look to restore that vision. Our goal is twofold, to educate voters on the issues of the candidates running for local and state office, and to give the citizen the opportunity to run for office by having a simple, intuitive, cost-effective place to manage their campaign. 
Let's work together to restore democracy to the people. Well, hello. I hope uh, Diego has come back. I think he went to I get am. a glass of water. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep, I'm back. We are in the middle of a dust storm, so it is. Oh, uh, did you get it? Yeah. Last night, I, I want to tell the audience that we had a, a alert of a what do they call it? Hobu? Kabo yeah. or something, and it was intense. It was intense. The whole city was covered, and but we haven't had any rain, so it's really bad. Are we having? An, is there another one now? Yeah, there's. I'm actually. It's just about approaching. I mean, it's really something kind of interesting to see. Um, the best thing I would say, the closest it is, is if you've ever seen. I think it's a Mission Impossible Four, the one where he's on the Burj Khalifa, um, and uh, um, Tom Cruise, and he's he's climbing climbing that tower and then this big kind of wall of dirt just as slides over and then just kind of envelops the city uh-huh. um that's kind of the closest thing i'd say to it i mean it's really just a big wall of dirt that uh you know kind of just it is not a pleasant thing to be in when you're outside it definitely is uh, yeah i would say if you're outside it wouldn't um but definitely you know to, to see it and look at it, it's quite interesting right it's like a blizzard that's brown and, and it's a really weird feeling yeah, <clears throat> but anyway, now getting back yeah. to the subject we wanted to talk about about the infrastructure, and um, I guess it, you know, I was trying to figure out well, you know, what are the negatives about this bill because there are some things. I mean, I do think that the elderly definitely need help. I mm. mean, it's so difficult for them to live on what they make, and you know, they. I, I think of this one woman, Olga Robles, who, you know, ran for city council in the time in the 70s when it was not easy as a woman and a Hispanic woman at that. And she was a nurse and very involved, always gave to the community and you know, she can't afford her, her medications. And she was a nurse, you know, and, and there's just so many elderly like that. So it's a great thing, but it should be separate from this package. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think, um, I mean, it, it is bloated. It is big. There, I think the thing is, is that there, it's something needs to be done. I don't know if this is necessarily the right kind of thing, but I did kind of want to gauge your opinion. What do you think about, you know, the, a big part of it is kind of public transportation and, and rail. Well, what it's you- interesting, you know, because I, I, I would love that we had more of it, but we're not. We're still. This country runs on highways, and I think what they said of is, is that. The priority really is a very small percentage of Americans who use public transportation. They are the the major Americans drive their cars. I think that's, and while, that's because it's not really there for them to use. You know, right. I think if you do need, you have to spend, you have to spend a lot of money to, you know, stuff we should have been doing the last hundred years. We're going to have right. to, you know, kind of chunk it all out and, and bang it out. Because that's the issue is you can make, this high-speed rail from Dallas to Kansas City, and and it's fantastic. That takes two hours, but then what? You know, how do you yes, get around you, in Dallas or Kansas City? You say, and, and and you you know, Kansas City and Dallas are all you have to have a car. They don't have public transportation within those cities. Like in Phoenix, they're doing this light rail, and it's great. But once you're once you're off the light rail, there's you know, it's you're in 118 degrees. And where are you going to walk to? It's like a long distance, so people won't use it. I think that they it, it, it's a great idea, 
but it should be a slower process where they build it slowly but gradually because there's nothing that's more crazier than like I look at and I think the light rail system is great in Phoenix but there's probably a one percent of the population that use it it's right. great for the students there's certain areas that it definitely gets used but there's nowhere for you to step off immediately get in a bus or uh, connect to another you know, railway that would part of the system that will take you east or west because you're going north and south. So I think that they're going about this terribly wrong. They need to pick a couple of cities or they need to have a pipe program and slowly build it so that it's consistent and can sustain itself. I think, you know, I, they do need to. I mean, if you're on the East Coast, it's a great system to do the, the trains from D.C. to New York. You know, I, yeah. It's one of those things. But, I, I, I kind of have a different opinion because I really do think that what you have to do is, you know, it's not, yes, ideally over the course of 60 years, you would build out your bow. That's the thing is we haven't done it for 60 years. So now we, I think we need, we, I don't think you can wait 60 more years. I think you're going to have to start now and be aggressive and do it, you know, kind of really what we need is the light rail is fantastic. We need eight of them connecting different yes. parts you know you need you need to build one going to for i'm gonna say phoenix for example um and for those who don't know phoenix is kind of um it's kind of in a, in a circle kind of a venn two circles a venn diagram and so you have phoenix in the middle and then you have scottsdale to the northeast um mesa and tempe to the southwest and then you have glendale and peoria to the west so it's basically all it does is connect phoenix and tempe and so you need one that connects scottsdale to tempe and scottsdale to phoenix and Goes both go to, you know and can just go to Glendale. You need um uh you know like you do in Europe a or New York or even DC. Oh, DC is kind of small. You need crisscrossing going different ways to to kind of um to get across town. Well, it, but you know to prioritize public transportation modes, you know you have to think they're not really fit for America's geography, and would that not be a lot of money spent? that could be used for something that's really needed now. I mean, I understand your point because, you know, having lived in New York City and a great bus subway system beyond, you know, anything, and it's a, you don't need to own a car, but how many places are there that can actually support a person not owning a car? And, and you know, like you said, you need maybe eight different lines running in Phoenix, but then that's going through established communities, established businesses, and there's a huge pushback. I think there's a lot of buildup. That's the thing is, is that it's, you know, American cities are spread out because they were built by for cars. And I think if you change the way that you use, you know, American cities, because if you start building in these light rails, then you're going to get these big buildups around the, around the lines, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of those things of, you know, it's, as long as, you know, if, if you just gradually keep it, people always use cars. And that's the thing is, you know, there will always be some people using cars. But really, we can build up these, you know, kind of rebuild downtowns, re, you know. And, and that's that's where I would say, I don't think this infrastructure bill really does that. But I think that's where an infrastructure bill is needed is to, we have, the, you know, beautiful downtowns all across the country that have been hollowed out. And, you know, instead of, you know, tax those strip malls, at a higher rate and then lower taxes on downtown stores, you know, bring commerce and brings, you know, trade back into the downtown, you know, centers. 
that all sounds really good. But then when you think of it, really, mass transit only it carries less than one-tenth of the passenger traffic compared to highways. So one-tenth as much passenger traffic, it, it's not that's a right lot now, of That's right now where you have right. easier to make your car. If you build more lines and if you make it harder to drive, yeah, then that, gonna, that's going to change. Isn't that going against my freedom? Uh, my freedom of choice, though? I mean, you're going to make it harder for me to be able to drive well, my car. You can car. still do it. It's just, it's, 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 no one you're is going to attack me. Well, I, I think a big thing is, is we, we, you can't have these massive highways, you know, kind of cutting through, you know, cutting through cities and stuff. You have to route them around and you need to make it so that it's, it's insane. I mean, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I mean, it's, it's quite, um, you know, there, there, there's a quite dark history with it. I mean, if you look up Robert Moses in New York, or um, I forget what the name of this highway is in, in New Orleans. Um, but basically, what it does is, you're, it, a lot of these highways basically went through ethnic neighborhoods, you know, Italians, Irish, African, um, you know, decimated these neighborhoods. And so that's the thing is, is that, you know, if you bring back downtown cores, and, you know, remove some of these highways that don't need to be there. You know, we don't need to have highways cutting through every major city. I think that that's, that's like a, a utopian idea. I mean, it sounds great, but boy, to, to implement it. Well, you know, how are you going to pay for all this? And that's one of the other problems that people uh, well, have. The, maybe tax, the tax benefits income you would get from having, you know, kind of revitalized town centers. You know, people will spend way more money. You know, if I'm if I'm in a little you know, downtown core and there's, you know, 10 different shops and, you know, maybe I want to, hey, I want to go get, you know, um, some clothes. And then I'm walking down and I see right across the street there's some uh, shoe store. You know, I'm much more likely to go to that shoe store than you I am. You know what's going to happen in my to car your shoe store through. and your little thing? It's going to be torn down because you're a small business and replaced with these mega apartment buildings. And whatever was unique and kind of uh, historic about these downtowns will get totally wiped away by new yeah. construction. I think there is a big, you know, emphasis on keeping, um, you know, keeping, uh, you know, architecture and stuff like that. Um, well, look at downtown big... Phoenix. Look at if you were to look at it now, there's probably about eight or nine huge apartment complexes that look the same that were in Kansas City or uh, new, you know, uh, what's like Denver, Colorado, any, especially around universities, Tucson, Arizona, and they are kind of overshadowing the ne unique little neighborhoods of buildings that were, you know, from the 60s, 40s, and 50s, and they're just overshadowed by these huge monstrosities. So I don't know, I, and I see the little guy, his store closing. And, you know, then you put, you know, you get a major conglomerate who puts in their, you know, uh, food chains or their, you know, build a teddy bear or something like that. And where the little guy who had his unique shoe store or the shoemaker or anything like that, you know, the guy who, you know, repairs luggage discs. With, with highways or... or well, but it's it destroying, but it destroys the communities when you... you 
kind of have that kind of what would we call it regenification or renewal of these major cities the people who have struggled and stayed there and you know kept on fighting the everyday good fight to, to have a downtown get pushed out so i mean there's like i'm saying there's just both ways of seeing it and how it affects when you do try to go down to to a downtown and revitalize it and get growth you know you bring yeah, in I mean, the big guys and that's true, but that's that's the thing is, is if there's going to be the big guys are going to be around no matter what. I think there is a big, you know, every downtown I see, you know, there is a big push to keep, you know, co- local coffee stores and local local stores. And, and I would say honestly, I see more, you know, you don't you don't see really Whole Foods in the downtowns as much. I say you see them in the suburbs. You don't see, you know, um, in in, in wow. the cities you see a lot more. Granted, I mean, I, and that's a totally different thing but i think you know there's too many of these big companies I well let's that. get back to one of the big questions about how they're going to pay for this infrastructure which is you know they're going to slam businesses with a 2.7 trillion tax increases over the mm-hmm. next what is it 15 yeah. years yeah i what mean think of that one that it fantastic it was actually applied but it's not going to be it's going to be just basically take taken from smaller to medium-sized businesses it's going to make it harder to run you know the, your company with 40 employees is going to be more right. expensive you know at the large corporations you know netflix uh, disney amazon those guys those guys aren't going to be paying the, footing this bill so i mean it's one of those things of you know and for biden and democrats all their talk i haven't seen a single thing they've actually done to actually fight you know the, these these big corporate um, corporate guys, you know, the Facebooks and stuff. And, and I will say to Republicans' credits, it seems like the only people really going after these big guys are really are the, are the Republicans. You know, I, that's true, which is surprising to me that the Democrats, but they're they're what the Democrats stand for has changed so much that I, I mean, I haven't been able to identify with them because that would have been something that they would have gone after. You know, the, these big conglomerates are taking over, and I mean, I think that's the next question. Also, I wanted to ask. You know, when I was reading articles about the bill, a lot of people see this whole infrastructure as federal government getting more and more involved in local issues, whether, you know, uh, it would be, you know, in the infrastructure, depending on things like, you know, private sector projects to federal projects. So there's really, is there really a job creation that's more like a minimum amount of jobs that would be created? And then, you know, further, like, federal regulations, that means these projects will probably have inflated costs for materials and labor. You know, there's not a lot of competition when it's the federal government building, you know, things. And um, and so there's a question, is this just another way for the federal government to get more involved in state and local issues like water systems, and you know, that kind of thing? I mean, I think it's too, it's too pronged because there's something, I mean, some things need to be run at a you know, kind of more of a federal not-for-profit level. I mean, you look at the way Texas has done its utilities and its power grid, um, and, you know, I've always been someone who thought, you know, generally speaking, government regulations is a problem. However, you know, I have quite a lot of friends who are in the electrical utilities industry, and I understand now, you know, it's not something really, it's it, it, it needs to be, you need to have these regulations because a you, especially electricity is something you can't have at like the price of gasoline where it's on demand and then sometimes it's you know it goes up a dollar you know one year it's up you know imagine if your power bill 
one year every month was up a hundred dollars or down a hundred you know do you really want to have those wild swings because you know you're, you're it might be high but it's it's still it's you know it's pretty relatively predictable you know your power doesn't really change the cost of it um all that much and so i think that's the big thing this is that we need um you kind of need federal regulations and, and a really brief way that i understand it is, is that when it's federally regulated they have a certain amount of profit they can make basically they can basically go for a longer term whereas if you're like in texas you're unregulated well it's about obviously making profits so long-term things like keeping up things that don't make money like sustaining power lines it's why if you go to texas um, and you look the power lines are all kind of um sagging because no utility company wants to shell out all that money to fix it because it doesn't really make them any it works just as well with it sagging but, but look at Arizona. Amazing. Don't they sell? The, I mean, they they. It's better for them to sell their energy to California, their electricity, than to keep it here and lower the rates for people. I mean, I don't they, they squeeze have, the Arizona residents so that they can have more to be able to make a bigger profit and sell it to California. I mean, the thing is, is with the powers, it's it's they. You, it's either you know the 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 grid itself is all interconnected, and so basically when they're generating the power. They're generating that power, whether they sell it to us or we use it. And so, as long as my the way I look at it is, as long as they're not, you know, not letting Arizonans have power so they can sell it. You know, when you turn on the lights, it works. There's power. We don't have the rolling blackouts like they have in California or they have in Texas. You know, I mean, California is not as made. It's probably worse than Texas their power system, but. I think we you need to have a regulated system of power when it comes to certain things. You know, I, I think you know. Food so would safety, you believe electricity? Yeah. Those things need to be kind of regulated and controlled and not be for profit. So you believe then that government should be in things like housing and manufacturing and energy? Well, because well, I don't think injury. those things. I think you know I, I do think that the government needs to be in healthcare. I, I think you know healthcare shouldn't be for profit. But, um, you know, manufacturing, no, it has, you know, manufacturing is not, a, not, a, it's not something you need to survive. But you, you know? don't think the federal government getting involved in health care has made it that way, has made it for profit? I don't think so. I think it's, you know, I think the mm. biggest thing is, is if, if you have one, you know, if you have the, the one thing I will say is if you have the federal government basically as the, you know, as if you have a single payer insurance, then they can basically say, no, we're not going to pay these fees. You know, we're not going to pay $25,000 for to give birth. You know, that's that's insane. And what it is is if you have insurance, so the insurance pays some of it, and then you pay some of it, and it's, it, that's why it costs so much more here than anywhere else. What do you, well, you know, the other thing this bill does, and I want to ask your opinion about this, is it, you know, it includes hundreds of billions of dollars in corporate welfare, you know, the green slush funds, you know, big subsidies for the electric vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, that really overwhelmingly, you know, they benefit the wealthy households, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I would say generally speaking, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, some means I, it, have. Right, and it can only take you so far, and, you know, for me, I need to have a, you know, I don't need to be worrying about, 
I can only go 300 miles and then I've got to charge my car and you're headed down to say where I'm from. And you'd be kind of the perfect candidate for an electric car. Why would I be perfect candidate? Well, you, live in, you live in a downtown major yeah, city. Yeah, but I like to travel. Car. I like to travel. Well, I, and I think you how am like I going to travel in an electric car? You get like 400 something now on a charge. I think you get about like four, almost 500 miles. Yeah, but you go to a small rural area who they don't have charging stations. Well, you just plug it into like a, it just takes longer, but you can just plug it into your house. <laughs> you say that in my parents' house. You say that kind of. That's pretty funny because I don't think there's one plug that doesn't have something plugged into it. I, I and I, I don't even know how you would put what you bring the wire into like the an house. Extension cord. An extension cord. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. It's. I don't know. I, I. You would be the perfect electric EV vehicle person. <laughs> Probably be this you tiny. You, what is it? They're they're small cars. No, I can't even imagine Tesla's being hit by them. And how much is a Tesla electric? Not as much. Like, I think like they start off at about thirty thirty eight. So it's it's not like you know inaffordable, and that's thing. I mean, you know, you you work like three miles from where you live. Well, I could ride a bike, but it's too hot. I right, would so if it wasn't so hot. <laughs> Um, well, okay, then let me ask you this. What do you think is going to happen to the economy by having this corporate rate go from 21 to 28 percent? I don't know. You have to pay I mean, for it. I, I, I think, again, if, if it would be, it'd be fantastic if it was actually, you know, big companies were actually paying it. You know, that, that's the thing is, is that none of them are actually going to pay it. So it's all moot, you know. Right. Um, you know. If, you know, if we could get this to be paid for off of these, you know, Fortune 500 companies that, you know, it'd be fantastic and have no, you know, I'd say build as much, you know, make it as big as you want. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, I mean, I know there at the end of the day, what if it doesn't matter just what if we don't have road, you know, we, how's the economy going to work if we don't have proper roads and I mean, airports. Yeah, but. They're only spending four percent on hard, you know, traditional infrastructure. Only four percent of this bill. Goes no, I, yeah, I, I, and I'm agreeing with that. I'm just saying that, you know, it needs something needs to be done. I don't agree with most of this bill, but I do think that at, there is at the heart of it that is a big thing we need to work on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, theoretically, it would be great if there was a train that went from New York to LA. You know, and there used to be, that's the sad part. There used to be all of that, but, you know, no longer. And I can't believe we're already up to, yeah. you know, just about to sign off. It gets go, goes by really fast. It really start does. start talking about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce the person that will be on our show in two weeks, which is uh, July the 24th? Yes. So we will be having a special guest, Zoe. She's actually a long-term friend of mine. Um, she is someone who actually, she got me kind of into politics and, She's someone who is very, very active. She was very high up um, in the college level of politics. And then um, she kind of lost a little bit of faith with it and lost kind of got, um, you know, she got, she's a, um, went to law school and she's now a lawyer. And she kind of does, because of the system and because of the way it's structured to kind of keep people out and kind of keep it in you know the hands of, of a small minority, um, she kind of got a little uh, disillusioned with it and left. And so we're going to really kind of delve deep into her frustrations with it, as well as kind of what she thinks needs to happen to kind of get people, young people, 
um, especially women, back into kind of into politics and kind of you know tear up that uh, you know kind of that old the old boys club as well as also um, you know kind of just getting uh, getting away from that kind of you know very nepotistic kind of thing we have in politics right now where it really is hard to break in if you're not in that and and she was a someone who is was in the system and even even still it's you know it was it was tough so i think um that'd be, be very really interesting excited. yeah and her name is zoe 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 yep zoe or zoe so okay uh, but yeah. she's a um she seems very interesting and i'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say yeah, I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to uh, to t- give her a t- talk to her and kind of just kind of go over, like I said, what kind of what disillusioned her because I think that's what a lot of people feel um, who aren't in the system anymore. Exactly. I mean, uh, hopefully we can get the young man that also wanted to get back into get involved in politics, but had no, you know, no knowledge of how to do it. And unfortunately, he was taking vacation. We couldn't have him on, but we'll bring him um, hopefully on after Zoe. We have Zoe. So that would be interesting to hear from two young people wanting to, you know, get involved and be involved and then finding it, you know, difficult to do so. Yeah, so next next show will be um, our special guest. And then I believe after that, we're going to do something fun. I think we're going to try and um, kind of argue and debate over – and this, you know, a little niche, but we're going to argue and debate over politicians of the 20th century. Um, <laughs> who was good, who was bad. Um, kind of, we have very different opinions on those, so. Yes, we do. We um, do. But, uh, you know, as, it's it's okay, because, you know, some people are wrong, which would be just <laughs> right, so. And some people can can <laughs> actually learn that they're wrong, although it's very hard for them to admit it. I agree, it's hard for you to admit it. <laughs> It's nice that you know that. So, yes, that you do too. <laughs> but uh, well, well uh, go ahead. I would say, well, I you know, I'm happy to spend our Saturdays here with everyone. <laughs> we appreciate you listening. Um, hope you have a re- fantastic rest of your week. Um, if you are a sports fan, you know, hopefully the team that you like wins. I'm going to say, go Italy, <laughs> go go Suns. I think so. I feel like I have to go for England. I don't know why. You know, I, it's those, I, I feel bad for white people these days. Italians are white. Well, I guess they are, but they seem a little bit more Mediterranean, <laughs> don't they? They're a little bit more passionate. I don't know. Oh yeah, well, someone poor, well, the poor English. Won't someone think of the English? <laughs> they've had such a rut. They've had such a rough luck of it the last, you know, century. I mean, the last thousand years, last millennium, they've had. It's been. Well, they have. It depends if you were an aristocrat or just a common guy. You didn't uh, have it too easy. <laughs> Well, as anyway, we hope everyone has a fantastic rest of the night. Um, you know, go ahead and hope everyone stays, has a great summer. But thanks for listening. For now it's fine. Waste of our time. <laughs>